we, we took a bit of a turn and went into health scores and defining success, uh, working with success plans and health scores and how those two aren't always aligned. And you can have a success plan that's completely met, health score that is in the danger zone and how that happens. And that's kind of where our conversation went. So we did not stay on topic, full disclosure. <laughs> That's okay. I think uh, maybe next week we should have a follow-up on health scores and, and how CSMs are using that. So I think they are, I do, I do think they do tie hand in hand. Um, I guess, Ali, real quick on that, um, since, you know, as you think about success plans with a customer and account plans internally, you know, with your leadership team, how do you tie in, you know, data like health scores into, you know, making that more robust? It's a good question. We're still we're still sort of starting this whole journey of um, using a lot of tools to uh, manage our CS team. We've been very much just spreadsheet based, and we've just launched with Gainsight. So we're starting this whole journey of actually having health scores and proper tracking, and it's very exciting for us. So success plans were more tied to just the conversation with the client, not necessarily metrics or anything formal. Um, Whatever they bought the software for, we would try and make sure that that was their their first, you know, their 90-day success plan and and then meet after that and then try and establish the next kind of series on goals based on their journey stage and what we felt they should be consuming of the software based on where they were in their journey. And account plans are something somewhat new with us that we're working on sales with because they've kind of done a switch from the sales team was always handling upsells and renewals. And now our CS team is going to be handling those within our team and really getting a better understanding of um, you know, growth opportunities and parent-child relationships within different clients that we have. And knowing where to focus our, our efforts on growing our client base from you know, the internal side. Very good. Anybody, uh, anybody want to add to the discussion around, you know, thinking about success plans and health scores um, before I call on the next group? If you don't know, usually... Maybe from within the group, but uh, I don't know if we, we covered it as a team, but, you know, health scores over the years, we had once started to use health scores to track things that were going bad in customers so that we could try to get ahead of it. But that was really facilitating the whole reactive mode that we were trying so desperately to get out of. And so today we're, we're really uh, looking at health scores that are based on what happens in healthy accounts, really green, really successful accounts. And then we're trying to go and amplify those to see how they work. If we can do that bit a little bit better, is it making healthy accounts even healthier so that we can extend that into the rest of our segments? Um, It also helps with the customer advocacy so that we can get that customer to talk to the other customer that's not. Um, So we're, we're leveraging in two ways. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Does, um, does anybody use, so thinking about success plans and health scores, does anybody use, um, you know, things like health scores to drive conversation around objectives and outcomes with customers. Meaning if you think about this, the customer journey and you know, trying to drive, basically, you know, we as CSMs are trying to drive successful outcomes for our customers and we have to understand that. Do um, Does anybody on the call share that information to, to drive a conversation with a customer about what would make them successful with their products? Jenny, I see you come up. Came up I can unmute. Um, I think maybe others would agree that, you know, the components of the health score that are around sentiment, if you're doing CSATs and things like that, and then product usage, I use that information to have the conversation, but never like a, a, a scoring system, right? So 
You know, if you're talking about benchmarking in their sector or vertical, um, and then just like, you know, has our product been embedded into their processes and are they primed maybe, you know, I use that information from the health score based on, you know, what feeds into our health score. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Courtney, was there something you were going to add to that? Yeah, so rather than us focusing the scoring on the health of the account um, and their likeliness to renew, we focus it on, we call it the maturity score, and we focus it more on the maturity of the program that we're helping develop for them. Um, So it's much more customer-based than kind of inward-looking based. And with that, then we're able to make, so your maturity score is at this, but if you implement this, this, and this, and sometimes that involves... Um, additional licenses, so additional product sets, you'll be able to jump to this maturity score. Um, and it is that of interest to you. So it's all, it, we really focus the conversation about them and the health of their, um, I mean, it, like data risk management and DLP, like managed services. So it's around them and their needs. And then we're able to talk about upselling and cross-selling within that conversation. But again, it doesn't necessarily make the conversation feel like we're trying to focus on renewals, but instead just enhancing their program. So, uh, and and Katty, I see your hand raised. I'm going to get to you in just a second. So Courtney, on, uh, uh, as we think about, you know, successful outcomes for customers, I really like the idea of a, you know, of a maturity model. Um, could you maybe expound a little bit on, you know, your process of sharing that with a customer, meaning um, do you provide a recommendation based on what you know, or do you, you know, have the customer go through a self-assessment? What's that look like in, in order to basically benchmark where they are on that model? Yeah, so we we provide um, the assessment. Um, so we're providing managed for the, the the customers who get this maturity score is they um, are our DLP managed services customers. So we're managing their DLP environment, their data loss prevent protection and prevention environment for them. Um, and so uh, the analyst who's doing that day in and day out, they have a a framework that they can apply, they can use to assign the score. And then at the end of every term, which is an annual term, we present to them their score. And then we show them last year's score. So we show them year over year. And then we're able to say from that point, okay, here's where you're at this year. You've improved so much so from last year. Now, here are the recommendations we make to get you even higher next year. That's awesome. That's great. Um, Real quick from Stacey, I don't know if you want to come off mute and ask Courtney your question real quick. And then we'll sure. Um, Courtney, do you also then have a, a health score? If not, how do you communicate that an account is at risk? So we are a um, we have a small number of customers and um, a small number of large customers. So every CSM only has about ten to twelve customers, max fifteen. So we have a um, we just do kind of the the stoplight. So it's either green, yellow, or red. Um, And we just constantly check in on kind of a monthly basis with the team to to talk about that. Thanks. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Thanks for sharing, Courtney. Katia, over you. Yeah, so I was going to mention that um, during EBRs, I go through, uh, I don't necessarily say health score, but I just say customer score or adoption score to the EBR audience. And I compare it to a competitor. And I say, this is their current uh, customer score. And the reason that they are rated higher than you at the moment is because we have been able to uh, onboard, you know, X amount of teams versus you, or 
the reason you're doing well compared to your competitors because you have released X amount of applications versus uh, your competitor in the last six months, as an example. So it, internally, I use the same number in metrics, but internally we call it customer health score. But if I'm speaking externally to the customer, then I call it the adoption score. So, and then in that conversation in in the EBR, because I, I uh, yeah, I think EBRs is another critical area of being able to talk to the success, you know, the success plan as well uh, in that conversation. So um, how do you use something like your adoption score to, you know, open, open conversations around, you know, their goals, their objectives, and uh, being able to build out, you know, that roadmap for success? Yeah. So at least in the, in the EBR, it's the type of conversations that I have as an example, is instead of just throwing up how many users they have, it's comparing that to how many users they've licensed. We bill per users, by the way. Um, so if, let's say, they have purchased a bucket of 500 users for that contracted year and that they're at 450, then we start having those conversations in the EBR. You know, don't just throw it up there. Just say, you are now at 450. That is very close to 500. Has budget been allocated to expand? Uh, do you expect to for the, do you expect that to lower during that year? So, EBRs we don't really talk about um, the very general goals because I feel like that should live in the adoption plan to begin with. I feel like that should be very uh, have already been circulated, well known to the EBR audience. We talk about more tactical things like okay, we have. Uh, it's been a year, you have purchased this amount, this is your score, this is how much you've invested, this is the ROI, um, how much has been, uh, do, can we have conversations about budget for next year, that sort of thing. But the business outcomes and goals, I feel like should be identified prior to the EBR in general, and that should live in the adoption plan. See some head, I see some head shaking out there. Um, anybody, anybody have any, uh, you know, additional commentary on, you know, success plans in, in the conversation with, you know, the executive, your executive buyer? Um, one of the important things I think about the communication of health scores, maturity scores, or um, when communicating to the client, I think what you're dialing in on here is, is that that ahead of time piece like if the score is only understood to you internally and then you're talking to the client about a score it's really not impactful to them there it's it's like saying oh hey i made up this 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 scoring mechanism and you're a seven and it's like well seven out of what seven out of 100 seven so when you tie those that plan into um, kind of real concrete values within the client, then the conversation becomes a little bit more powerful. When you say that you're at, you know, 70% of this and the client understands that, okay, well, eh, when we did a yearly review last time, this was, there was either like a dollar amount or there was a value that was realized as part of that so that they have something tangible to kind of sink their teeth into um, and they understand where they're kind of going. I think that that's also an impactful piece. And I think that that's kind of what you're talking about there where it's good to have that ahead of time to know that when you're communicating a, a health score or maturity score that a lot of times I have the I have the tendency to to think internally. So I see the our internal sheet and I see that little bar at 70%, but that's really kind of like our internal language. And to the client, 
they need to see maybe something else. They want to see it as a um, an ROI and in, in money value, or they want to see some type of a productivity increase, something like that. Yeah. So Tyson, I think you hit on something, even if you weren't intending that to be uh, what, the intent of what you're saying, but um, it also, you know, the question has to be asked too of, you know, as you think about building out success plans for customers, um, you know, who, who do you involve and how do you involve them in, uh, you know, in building out that, you know, that success roadmap. Um, anybody from any from anybody from the discussion talk about kind of the the who's who in the zoo as it relates to building out success plans. Haley, I see you shaking your head. I don't I don't want to call out call you out, but it looks like you might have something to add here. Yeah, this is something that we've been trying to work through internally of who's required for what types of conversations, either through onboarding, through implementation, um, because we ran into it, an issue of setting the right goals with the right people. Maybe you were talking to the wrong people during onboarding, and so you set the wrong goals, and then you finally come up on renewal and realize you were working towards the wrong goals through the, your entire subscription um, or the journey of your life cycle. So we've been trying to kind of attack that right now and, and understanding really at an organizational level where everyone lies and who we need to have required in those conversations. Um, so first and foremost, who's actually paying for this out of whose budget is this coming from, who makes the decisions and who's impacting or has a say in those decisions. So who's kind of going up and saying, you know, this is driving a lot of value for my team's uh, so we need to ensure that at least that sponsor is involved in the goal setting conversation. And if they're not, we need to at least send some sort of communication where they have insight to know these were the goals that were set based on who you assigned to this project for implementation. Yeah, Haley, you hit on uh, hit on a really good point. Is you know, it's it's all well and good if you have a goal, but if you don't have a time frame, uh, you know, uh, you know what what are the milestones for success and the owner, right? If you don't know who owns that and what time frame it needs to be completed in, then you know, a goal is no more than you know a task. You know, I've got a yellow notepad here next to my computer that I put stuff on, but I don't if I don't put a date by it you know, it might sit there for two months before I get, you know, get back to, you know, working on it. So I think that's really important to be able to, to map that out. Who do you, um, Haley, just to maybe a follow-up question, who do you find is most eager to participate in those types of conversations when it comes to, um, you know, not only building, but revising things like, you know, a joint success plan? Uh, it depends. And, and I guess we're in a specific industry, so it, it's those people managers that I can usually get involved, um, but they also wear so many hats. So I have to be very mindful of their time and really come to the table prepared for those revisions and asking the right questions since they have very limited time to give me those updates and make those revisions. Understood. Do you... So last question I have for you, uh, and we, we can move on to another topic in discussion, but do you, uh, similar to what I think it was uh, Katya shared about leveraging competitive competitor information, right, to your advantage, do you ever use, like, if you're having trouble really kind of getting to the root of, you know, what, what are you being measured against, what are your goals, you know, for this time period, do you ever use, you know, a competitive 
company and what their goals are to, you know, kind of open the conversation up to say, Hey, I know ABC companies doing, you know, for, I work in cybersecurity. So want, you know, wanting to remediate vulnerabilities, you know, within 30 days, like, you know, are you, are you tracking against something like that? Um, is that, do you have, you ever leverage something like that in a conversation around success? Uh, I, I think once actually I I've used that and it was specifically because the client asked me for insight, but it's not something that we share externally because everyone has a different definition of success. So we can't really measure that across the table and share that out with the client because they're going to see that. And in someone's mind, they might've said, this is driving so much value for me, but then they see it compared to someone else. And they're like, oh, I'm actually doing horrible. And it kind of puts them down, even though you're kind of just trying to motivate them to push the value add that they could, because there's just so much potential that they could be reaching. So we don't typically share out that across competitors. We use that information internally, just understanding what is leading to that renewal, what those benchmarks kind of look like. Um, I would, I would love to see something that we could kind of share so that they have a level set of understanding if they're really being successful or not. But uh, based on our kind of experience, it, it, everyone just has a different definition of success. And looking at those metrics is a challenge to share out since not everyone is going to be the same. No, that's fair. Well, Haley, thank you for all the, uh, you know, all the wonderful feedback and let me pepper you with some questions around that. So thank you. Um, Nathan, uh, what what do you, would you like to add to the conversation? I, I was just going to add actually off of what Haley uh, is saying is that like some of that comes down to like segmenting your customers into journeys that make sense for them. And I think one of the things we have is like we have tons of data. We've got large customer base. Um, but it's like understanding that data to what Haley just said. Like if I say you're in the 80th percentile against all of our customers, I'm talking about small customers, large customers, um, enterprise type customers, like it, that doesn't actually maybe make as much sense. Uh, whereas if you like segment those customers, then you create kind of a smaller scale. So you say of the customers that use, you know, the same things or had the same focus or have the same success goals, this is where you stack up. Um, that's something that we're, we're trying to work through right now ourselves to try to get maybe just better data points for us to have conversations with our customers. Like it's easy to say you're not using X, Y, Z features that other customers are finding beneficial, but maybe that doesn't matter. Maybe that doesn't matter to you at all. So how do we help actually say, Hey, based on all the data that we have, we know that you fall into this like kind of segment of people that are using these features that they're finding value from. Like, let's talk more specifically about why those people are finding that value and why we should maybe consider looking at that as a tool, um, because it matters, it's going to matter to you. Um, that, that's something I think that is Haley nailed on the head. Like we're, we're working through that as well right now. That's awesome. Yeah, so, you know, success plan segmentation too, I think is, is huge, right? You wouldn't, you wouldn't want a success plan, you know, as deep and wide as you would with an enterprise account as you might do with like, you know, a single user, single asset customer, you gotta make it scalable. So that's awesome. Um, JT, I saw your hand up, um, I'll go to you next. Sure. I mean, mine probably is just a comment, but I think it goes along with uh, what Nathan and, and Katya said earlier around the engagement. One of the things that our our software is a it's a new software for people in the industry, so it's there's a level of getting used to something new for a group of individuals that's already saying that they're really busy. And one of the things that we're trying to follow up with now and use to as a benchmark 
that goes against that whole segment comment is how the, the surveys that come out after each different adoption journey that they go through is feeding back into that statistic so that when they start the platform, we're saying that if they do these prescribed activities, these milestones along their onboarding and then into their adoption, that the happy customers have a higher engagement index, have a happier uh, use of the product than if they did it a different way. And so we're trying to use that as an engagement metric to try to drive better adoption. So we are bringing the segment data back into those conversations, but it's really, um, it, it's, it's kind of pre success outcome. It's really just saying that you bought this software for a reason. We're helping you to achieve those and understand what they are together and prove them out. But here's some metrics around what other happy customers have done. And if you have a different approach, this is a recommendation that we can share to help drive better user engagement. So that happier uh, outcome, you know, metric of the customer success formula. Absolutely. So I, I like the, the comments that were coming in. Yeah, making the data work for you rather than against you. So that's, yeah, that's uh, that's awesome. Thanks for sharing, JT. Uh, Nikita. I actually had, had a question around making the data work for you and storytelling because something that has come up in our EBRs, I think it's internally as a company, probably we're not able to solve for it is what are our, what are customers in our segment doing that, uh, or what's the adoption like for customers in our segment? Cause let's say we give them recommendations on, Hey, you could be using this part of the platform more than the more than you know the rest of the platform it, it's considerably low the immediate follow-up question is so what is the you know what's the metric and what are the what are customers in our uh, industry doing and because we work with smb to large enterprises we really haven't been able to get to an accurate data point where we can tell a customer that hey you're a you know uh, a tech company with more than 10,000 employees, this is what your adoption looks like. Hey, versus your 100 in person company, this is what your adoption lo should look like. So I was uh, wondering if there are people who have been able to solve for this. It's a great question. JT, I don't know if there was anything you wanted to add um, from, from what you shared on that or if there's anybody else. I would just say that, uh, and this company that I just started working for has a completely different appreciation of user adoption. It could be that one person logs into it once a quarter, and that's the outcome that they need to drive some some things that are happening in the wider ecosystem. Whereas in, in my former life, that would have been death, you know, if a user's only logging in once a quarter. So, I mean, we... We're trying to identify the different personas that would interact quarterly versus monthly versus weekly, and then try to be proactive at, at trying to share that if if it's T minus three weeks before whatever that quarterly event is, and they they haven't done some things up until then, we're trying to reach out and share what those things are so that when they have that meeting, when they have that one login, their experience is as best as it could be. Awesome. Thanks, JT. Um, any 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 other comments for Nikita here? If not, I'm gonna pass it over to Katya for our closing comment here, and then we'll wrap. Yeah, I would just I, say. Oh, sorry. I'm so sorry. Oh no, go ahead. I was just gonna do a speed run real quick. So go ahead. Oh, I'm so sorry. I would say there's probably one thing that from customer that customer success can take from sales here, and this is a. a um, 
you know, from, from a selling standpoint, if you go into a selling conversation and you haven't identified a compelling reason to act, then you're kind of doing this method where uh, one of the sayings that I've always liked is throwing spaghetti at the wall to see what sticks. It's that little kid in the crib with the spaghetti bowl on his helmet or on his head, you know, and he's just throwing it at the wall to see what kind of funny pictures it makes or, um, I would say identifying a compelling reason ahead of time makes that a lot easier to identify than than rather than trying to have a a kind of like a a, a cookie cutter framework that you would say oh for a, an enterprise of ten thousand people here is what it would look like because even two enterprises that are both 10,000 people, one may be in sanitation and one may be in software development. And those two different enterprises are going to have way, way different experiences, different internal cultures. They're going to have all kinds of different things. So uh, uh, maybe a little more of a, a selling approach in the beginning there uh, to be focused on uncovering the compelling reason first and then try to apply um, the solution afterwards would be my recommendation. Awesome. Thanks, Tyson. All right. Katia, you got, uh, you got a minute here. And we're gonna... <laughs> yeah, I, I think I shared with my group, and I think I, I might have even shared with uh, Jessica, if she's still on the call. It, it's something that I call an adoption assessment, and it's an internal account plan that I use to communicate with the entire org. It doesn't matter if it's marketing, sales, leadership, VP, support. Um, it has risks and challenges, growth opportunities, uh, stakeholder analysis, um, as well as usage and health score metrics. It's basically my go-to document to uh, communicate with the entire, uh, my entire internal company to get them up to speed on where the count sits, where the opportunities are, risks are, that sort of thing. Um, and when you know you get salespeople asking you what does what do CSMs do, I send that deck. Because I'm like, this is what I do. I'm, I'm basically your intelligence into the account. I help connect you with the right people. And I help you understand where you can upsell and expand uh, as well as, you know, risks and challenges. Um, but it's, it's helped communicate to the wider org what the CSM function uh, is for and how we can service them. Um, so at some point, I, I would like to share that. That's awesome. um, I'm glad you touched on that. So uh, as we wrap here, one of the action items that I I see, you know, a theme in here is I think kind of a show and tell session. I don't know if it'll be on an upcoming office hours um, or if we'll do it as a one off, but I would love, you know, I've got a couple things that I use personally around account plans and success plans that uh, I would love to share as well. So, you know, I'm going to tap on you. If anybody else on the call wants to be, you know, wants to help, you know, lead and do a show and tell along with the two of us, um, you know, send me a, a GGR message or a LinkedIn message. Uh, we'll get that on the books, but, um, you know, thank you for all the wonderful feedback today. Um, look forward to catching up with you all next week. I think probably next week we'll touch on continue the health score discussion and maybe get a little more granular on that, but uh, y'all have a great rest of your Tuesday and we'll talk soon. Hey guys, thanks so much for taking the time to listen to the Gain, Grow, Retain podcast. If you liked what you heard, please take a moment and share the podcast with your friends and colleagues and subscribe. We really appreciate it. Talk to you soon.